Let me entertain you. Welcome to another episode of Let Me Entertain You, where I take you inside the minds of musical theatre. Christina Bianco is an actor, singer, cabaret performer and world-famous impressionist. In 2013, she uploaded a video of her singing Total Eclipse of the Heart as 19 different divas and it went viral around the world and success continues to follow her. Without further ado, my guest all the way from New York, Christina Bianco. I'm actually sitting here having a lovely coffee afternoon with the most fantastic international star and I'm absolutely so thrilled that she has said yes to give me her time. I am here with the number one, I would say, impressionist. (laughs) She is a diva extraordinaire. She does voices with tones and styles and mannerisms or the physicality of divas you know. She has just played three shows at the Sydney Opera House called Oh Come All You Divas and she also was a special guest with Trevor Ashley and Chris Archer's Show Queen Spectacular last night and got a incredible huge long standing ovation. <laughs> Seriously it was. Very spoiled. <laughs> I am here with Christina Bianco. Hello. Oh thank you very much. I'm so happy to be here. It's not a club I should say. We're, we're at a place with, uh, it's a coffee shop but it definitely does sound like it's a little, a little bit of a dance club here. I'm kind of grooving in my seat. We're at the Rocks. You've chosen the very, very Australiana-themed location for us to meet. Yeah, because I am an absolutely uh, crazy tourist. We can't forget that when I come across the world (laughs) to do these performances, it's an amazing experience. But the other part of me just wants to go out and about and explore. I love to travel. If I had all the money in the world, I would spend it on travels. The fact that what I doing what I love has brought me places like this makes me crazy. I know, so I did choose. I did choose, yes, a coffee spot in the rugs, but I don't regret it. It's great coffee. It's beautiful coffee, that's for sure. You actually named this place. It's the fine food store at the Rocks. Yes, yes. I, I did some Googling and I saw that they roasted their own beans. I'm a big espresso nerd, so it's very good. Now, you are from New York. Before I ask you anything more about Australia, how does our coffee stand with New York? Your coffee is fantastic. Um, American coffee, let me just say this right now, isn't coffee. It's absolutely absolute rubbish. I mean, the sort of the regular generic coffee you get there is that water-based stuff. It's like, here's here's coffee that's filtered and all the acid is spread out and it's run to, oh, it's absolutely terrible. So I, I, I people wonder why I spend so much time. Back in the country. No, they're never going to let me back in. There's a whole other host of reasons they're not going to want me back, but I um, I absolutely love coffee. I hate when people say coffee culture, but I guess I do. I, I, I love little coffee shops. I love, I'm sort of anti-big big company. I don't really go to Starbucks a lot. There's it's actually in New York City, there's a Starbucks below my apartment. It used to be a nice mom and pop diner and then of course Starbucks bought it out so my anger level went through the roof. I was like, I'm never going there again. So I... (laughs) 
just, I find the little tiny coffee places where I can, and, and I love it. It's a flat white, typically. But I get it with a second shot of espresso, so. So it is true, there is a Starbucks on every corner. I, I, not only is there a Starbucks in every corner, for, for a long time I lived in this very specific spot in New York. Well, I still live in this area. But um, for a long time there were three Starbucks facing each other in Astor Place downtown in New York. There was one big one on one corner of Astor Place, another one on another corner, but, and then inside of Barnes & Noble, which of course is no longer there because nobody goes to bookstores anymore, but the top floor of the Barnes & Noble was a Starbucks. So you could sit in one and look at the other. And there's a really funny um, scene in the movie Best in Show, the Christopher Guest film about the, the dog shows, where they talk about, oh, I was in one Starbucks, and he was across the street waving at the other Starbucks, and I was like, that, yeah, that's real. <laughs> it's real. I've been there, and it's horrifying. <laughs> Because you are from New York. You're from Suffern, New York. Yes, good old Suffern, as I say. Um, absolutely nothing like it's uh, depicted on the TV show Sex and the City when the character Aiden takes her to, oh, his country home in Suffern. It is not a country home area. I was like, oh, did you, you miss the, uh, all the malls on the way in? No, nobody I knew had a, had a farm or any animals other than a dog or a cat. So, but I, I loved it. It was about 45 minutes from New York City, and my, my parents were born and raised in the Bronx in Manhattan, so my grandparents lived there. So I've always been a girl in and out of New York City my whole life. Then I went to NYU, and I never left. Except, you know, now I'm barely at home. I travel so much, but that's a, it's, a good, it's a good reason, you know. How many times have you been to Australia? This is my third visit to Australia in um, about a year and a half. So uh, about a year and a half ago, I knew I was coming here. I was booked to perform on a cruise ship um, that was going to be, I think, docking in Melbourne. And I thought, well, I'll be darned if I'm going to be in Australia and not try to do a show because for years, people have tried to get me here, both bookers and theaters. But of course, it's quite a gamble for any producer to fly somebody from the States and to house them and visas and all that. And it, it is quite difficult. So it doesn't happen very easily. And whenever somebody had availability or a theater had availability, I wasn't available. But the, the bigger part of it for me was that I know for now from the past four years that there are people in Australia that have been so supportive and so vocal about my coming here and, and sharing videos and saying, you have to come when you come. I'll bring my family and my grandma and my children. We're all going to come, you know, nice big families. And I thought, I, I have to get there before everybody forgets about me. I want everyone to know that I really appreciate it. And it's, it's not for my, it's not that I don't want to come. It just hasn't happened yet. So when I saw this opportunity, I hustled. You know, everyone always says, you must have all these different agents and managers and bookers. Yeah, but sometimes you have to do stuff yourself. And I find in, in what I'm doing, there's nothing like picking up a phone or writing an email or reaching out yourself to establish a connection. And a lot of what I do is really interactive. And I think it's very important for me not to just be that person. Oh, my client is this. You know, she's over there doing this other thing. You'll meet her when she arrives for the first time in Australia. I don't like it that way. So I reached out to a theater in Melbourne through a friend of mine who lived in the area, had the connection. And then I had a lot of uh, people in my life from the New York cabaret scene who had connections and had performed at the Hayes Theater in Sydney. So I reached out to both venues and it, it worked out. I mean, they were, they were grateful they couldn't believe that they wouldn't have to fly me over. So it worked out perfectly. So I did two shows in Melbourne and two shows at the Hayes. Uh, the Hayes Theatre in Sydney, of course, is so tiny that I'd sold out the first show and they booked a second one immediately. It was so great. And I was so overwhelmed to see that anybody showed up. I mean, people say, oh yeah, come over. But I was fully prepared for there to be 10 really enthusiastic people in the audience. But, you know, two sold out shows of 100 people in Sydney and I forgot the size of the place in Melbourne, but it was overwhelming and I was determined 
determined to come back. Soon after, I started conversations with the Adelaide Cabaret Festival about performing. And so I just did a few months ago. And that was absolutely incredible. What a totally different experience, of course, because that's a humongous festival with so many incredible artists. I was flown in earlier to do all this press and photo shoots. My gosh, I had two of the most spectacular photo shoots of my life during the 10 days that I was in Adelaide. I had a fantastic time. I played the, the banquet room, and it was just phenomenal. And my first time here, I performed with just one accompanist. And of course, in Adelaide, I got to bring my longtime music director and pal, Joe Louis Robinson, with a big band. We joke that I'm every woman, I have an every man band, so my every man band <laughs> was fantastic there. And uh, as soon as I did that, I was over the moon, overjoyed to receive just contact. I think every form of social media, I think email, I think Twitter, I think Facebook, I think all that from the wonderful Trevor Ashley, who's like, darling, we have to get you over here. I think I can get your uh, your Christmas show at the Sydney Opera House. I thought he was kidding. <laughs> and here I am. And that's, that's the long, not necessarily interesting answer, but that's, that's how I'm here. And I'm already coming back on January 18th to 25th doing the Perth Fringe. And then after that, planning something in March. It looks like we're going to do a, a one night in Sydney in March. So it's all keeping me here, and I'm not complaining at all. <laughs> Particularly not in this gorgeous weather when I need, like, you know, a humongous winter coat right now in New York, and here I am in a sundress. Oh, it's horrible. It's terrible. My gosh. <laughs> you have brought up so many great things. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I'm no. an Italian gal, and I just keep talking. Uh, in Italian, they call it a chatterbox, a chiacchieresa. That's me. I should have warned you ahead of time. <laughs> no, no, no. Not at all, but I find it very interesting that you thought no one would actually know who you are because you didn't start out this way. There was a lot of work. You did a lot of theatre before this, but you are a YouTube, can I say, sensation? <laughs> Everybody always says that, and I've even put that, or I should say I've allowed that to be put, you know, under my name on posters and videos, promotional materials, and yes, I mean, that. I guess that's how you would describe me, but I don't, I don't think technically, I don't know who makes the rules, but I don't think I would qualify as a YouTube sensation. To me, that somebody whose entire career is from YouTube, like like Miranda Sings, like Colleen Ballander, or Tyler Oakley. Like these people are, that is their livelihood. Their YouTube sensations, their posters were all, they're on billboards all over New York City and, and Los Angeles and all that with big campaigns, YouTube campaigns. For me, I was really lucky because I, I got a, a decent amount of views. And again, in the, in the, in the, the grand scheme of things, um, eight, over 8 million views on my now very popular Total Eclipse of the Heart video is, is not a lot compared to a lot of it. There are people out there who you've never heard of that have 20 million views on one video, whereas I have about 25 million on my channel. Again, I'm very pleased about that. I'm not complaining about that. But I think the YouTube world is very specific because for me, I think one of the reasons I am here in Australia with you now is because when my videos went viral, it wasn't just a viral video. It was the widespread social media coverage that I got. And not just on social media, we're talking real television, real radio, print outlets all over the world. It was, I think if you look at, I don't know what the um, way to view this is, I can through my channel. And when I had meetings with people at YouTube, they told me that I started the trend, like the hashtagging of impressions and celebrity impressions. There are plenty of people that had done impression videos before me on YouTube and plenty of people that had done 
done, let's say, one song in the voice of many different people. Done in a very different way, of course. You know, you don't want to steal each other's material. You always want to be honest and, and be loyal and be as creative as you can, because why? Why would you ever take what somebody else has? But I was the first person to get noticed. I was the first person. It was as if no one had ever seen it before in their entire lives. And so there, I was getting, I think it was um, a Brazilian wave that hit first. I had a video out prior to Total Eclipse of the Heart. It was me doing Katy Perry's Firework. And Katy Perry was huge in South America. And oh my God, all of a sudden, every comment on my wall was from South America. It was just crazy. And it did actually hit a lot of South Africa. Because I remember that. I was like, what? What's going on here? Katy Perry. For some reason, Katy Perry was like the biggest thing. And had I not got that boost, that sort of bit of attention, all of a sudden my name was, if you Googled it, what would come up was like <laughs> something <laughs> that I couldn't read about me and Katy Perry from some like huge Katy Perry Brazilian fan site or whatever. But I went, oh, you know what I should do? I should make sure that my social media handles are the same across all platforms. And that's when I looked to, to I had some other names and I tried to figure out how to make them all work. And that's when Extina Bianca One was born. Oh, it was the only thing that was left, ladies and gentlemen. It was the only thing that was left across all platforms. Had I not done that and linked it, it also wouldn't have been as easy for people to tag me and find me and follow me because when I went up like 8,000 followers in a matter of hours on all of my social media. It was insane. And so it, it's just the way that it panned out. I do think that it was because I got press. Most people that have a viral YouTube video is just shared on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. But I got true media coverage and press around the globe. I have no idea how that happened. If I could do it again, I would. But I'm just incredibly grateful. And of course, you are talking about here what really put you forward, yeah. which was back in 2013, and it was you singing Total Eclipse of the Heart at 54 Below at an open mic night in the voices of 19 different divas. Yeah, I, 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 I love doing impressions, and of course, you know, most people expect to hear a Celine Dion song sung as Celine Dion, but I always find it very interesting to see what Celine Dion would sound like singing a famous Adele song or vice versa. So, and the more ridiculous the better, like Julie Andrews singing Bang Bang. These are the sort of things you'd find on my YouTube channel and also what I do in my live shows. So in this particular video, it was absolutely the first time I was doing it. It was the first time I was ever attempting an Adele impression, which is why to this day I still think it's rubbish. I don't know why anybody continued watching, uh, but you, you know, whatever. <laughs> so anyway, as I know, I guess I was wrong. I don't know, but everyone liked it anyway. But so I, I'd start off as Adele and then I do, I think, 18 other, it's like 19 impressions in this video. And it was a rowdy night. I wasn't filming it for anything but fun. And I only posted it. I thought, actually, I thought, oh, it was very sloppy, you know. I mean, I, I wasn't great. It was so noisy. My friend's can was holding my camera up and just, like, <laughs> dropping it all over the place. But I thought, you know, the audience response was so great that I should post that. I mean, when, when you're a performer, like a trained musical theater and performer, like, you want polished things to go out into the world. But I've tried really hard to... Um, embrace, I think this is actually kind of important now in my live shows as well, to embrace the spontaneity. People love real. They love Instagram. They love instant. They they want to feel like they can do it or that they were there with you. I think that's why that video was so popular. I think because I'm a little rough. I think the Let It Go video that also went viral shortly after this Total Eclipse of the Heart video, I mess up the lyrics like a crazy person, but I, it's life and I keep going. And I think people like that. I think the, the raw, interactive quality of it is what appealed to everybody. Um, so I posted that video on a whim, and I'm telling you it must have been 12 hours later. My phone was blowing up. It happened so fast. I have no idea 
how, but you never think that with the click of one little button, you're all of a sudden going to reach people all over the world. And it really did change my life. I, I posted videos prior to that, but that video, that Bonnie Tyler song, Told Because of the Heart, changed my life. And cut to a couple months later, I was on the Paul O'Grady show in, in the UK singing the song live for Bonnie Tyler. And I was like, what is my life? Like, what's happening? How did this happen? <laughs> so grateful. When Total Eclipse of the Heart went viral, who retweeted you? Um, my gosh, RuPaul. He wrote, Shilarious. <laughs> uh, like, I was hilarious, but is she hilarious? I definitely had my friends call me that for about a month afterwards. And a uh, tangent right there really quickly. Then later on, this last year, I did voices for RuPaul's Drag Race, and I mm-hmm. nearly died. Like, it's amazing like how it all comes together. So RuPaul retweeting it was, was incredible for me. I've always had a very large um, gay following, so that certainly took it to another level, and I'm incredibly grateful to RuPaul. Shonda Rhimes, I mean, way, way to go. Shonda Rhimes retweeted it. Like, what an interesting market. And I think she's still following. They all still follow me. I'm like, oh my gosh, when I post something, I'm like, I wonder if Shonda Rhimes is reading about my dog right now. Like, I don't know. Um, Shonda Rhimes, and I can't remember all of them, but lots of, um, when I post videos, there are sometimes, sometimes the celebrities that I impersonate do find them and tag yes. them. Uh, Kathy Griffin, the American comedian wrote perfection you know on like one of the videos Kristen Chenoweth she's very vocal she's very supportive she's really kind actually I just had my album launch and she recorded the the pre-show announcement for me I was just, I'm uh, the nicest woman you'll ever meet she's as sweet as you want her to be but uh, my introduction to to them like the first time they knew me really was probably seeing me impersonate them and that means so much to me because not only of course are they sharing it with their humongous fan base and followers and whether they choose to click on it or not of course is doesn't matter that there's they still put my name out there and it's incredibly kind of them to do that in this very competitive difficult you know world you know particularly in the entertainment industry um but for me and i know it sounds like i'm being like oh christina stop being so sweet no but i cannot do this at all if people think i'm doing it with any sort of maliciousness i imitation is the sincerest form of flattery and if it doesn't come across that i'm doing it with respect and love then i'm doing it wrong and i think that you can laugh at comedians or, or impressionists that do sort of a call a little more harsh, a little more grotesque or exaggerated impressions, but I don't think you could have a sustaining, uh, I try to sustain a full show, a full concert, and I'd like to have a whole career doing it. So it has to come from a place of love. And so when these people retweet, that really makes me feel so good. Bernadette Peters recently said she thought I was wonderful. I'm a, I'm a drop dead of joy right there. I mean, that that's what you want. So I'm so, I keep saying I'm so grateful. My God, I'm disgusting. Listen to me. Oh, man. <laughs> no, no, no. Not at all. And Jim Steinman actually yes. got back to you? Jim Steinman. I was going to bring that up and then I started talking too much, as usual. Jim Steinman wrote Total Eclipse of the Heart and he isn't really on a lot of social media, but somebody sent it to him and he, he emailed me through my website and this whole big thing and we had this great back and forth email exchange and he'd been quite ill he couldn't come see me live but he has been so supportive and to have his blessing he's like oh my god it was like everybody I ever wanted to hear sing the song and you gave me that I was like what are you talking about (laughs) you gave us so many great songs and you're telling me I gave you something it was it's just too cool and I keep saying it it's just too cool I'm sitting here with you right now in Australia because of this it's you know I, I know a lot of people go well it's part for the course you know you're a performer you want to work you go where the work is but it's not easy and as I always say I'm aware that any sort of job in the arts there's an ebb and flow you're, you're popular 15 minutes you're not there's feast or famine and it could all dry up in 15 minutes and so as long as there are people that want to see me I love what I do 
I never tire of it. I love singing in my own voice and acting in my own right, and I love doing impressions. I don't think I have to choose between the two. My shows, my concerts are a healthy balance of both. I think people in the audience um, really do tend to appreciate my impressions more when they know who I am and what I sound like. And I don't just go, oh, here's an impression, now here's a power ballad. No, no, no. I mean, they, all my shows have a flow and a theme and a concept and everything makes sense all together. And no one has complained. No one's ever been like, you shouldn't sing as you. <laughs> no one has ever said that. Could you mention? Yeah, but you know what I'm saying? But it, it all, I, I, think, I think the fact that I am getting to not only perform and keep a roof over my head doing what I love, but the fact that I'm getting to do what people always tell you, you can't do in this business. They always say, you have to choose one thing. What's your focus? What's your this? Well, you can't possibly sing country, rock, jazz, Broadway, opera, and you know, R&B in one show. But I do. I do get to do that. And that, that is the coolest part of it all. It takes a lot of talent to not only have the vocal range that you have, to sing like the, the divas that you are impersonating. The most fun is trying to make myself taller, you know? <laughs> Because I'm only four foot eleven, so I have to like try to elongate my whole frame to be Celine Dion. I, that's the thing for people listening. I don't get dressed up in costumes. I mean, there are some videos where I do because it's funny. But when you come see a, a live concert of mine, I, I'm not an impersonator. I don't pretend to look like any of these people. I just take on their their voice. Um, yeah, so it's, I have to do what I can with my physicality to because an impression to me, the, the most successful actors and impressionists and all that, they don't just use their voice. They you have to have all the physicality and use your body to really embody that person. Can I ask you, you went to NYU. Mm -hmm. Is that where you studied your divas? Oh, I definitely didn't do that at NYU. <laughs> no, I mean, I went to NYU and I didn't even do impressions. I mean, I'm just maybe at a party to make somebody laugh. I would do a little Celine Dion or Kristen Chenoweth or something. Um, no, I think, it, I think it comes from my being a, a performer in my own right first. I've always been a singer and an actor and took dance classes. And my, I move well, that's what they would call it in the industry. Um, <laughs> but I approach everything from a theatrical place, um, from an acting standpoint. So if I was going to take on someone like Eliza Minnelli or Judy Garland, these are iconic women. They have iconic movements and voices and mannerisms. So I, that's how I approach it. When I'm actually working on an impression or a new impression, I do tend to start with the voice first. And once I can do that, I go into the physicality. But for the rest, there are some people you can't help it. Like with Celine Dion, I, I immediately, I start singing as her, I immediately take a wide stance and I like put my head to the side. Like these little things that I do because I've watched her. I think the other thing is when it comes to a lot of the divas, I really am, as I, I call it a self-proclaimed diva hall. Like, I have a problem. I love those great divas that just sort of like take stardom up a notch. And particularly, there are some fantastic female artists out there today that, you know, are celebrities and because they are really talented and some of them because maybe they don't have the greatest voice in the world. My God, they're a wonderful performer and they've done something that has made them an icon, you know. All of those women are great, but I go back to sort of the classic divas, the old school ones that's, that page the way for these younger ones. And if I don't get them, then it's like everybody else is almost pointless in my opinion. Like I kind of need to show the respect for the Judy Garlands and the Barbara Streisands and the Edith Piaf and Shirley Bassey. And it's like, if you can't get those people, then why are you doing someone like a Whitney Houston? I don't know. I just, that's my own personal opinion. I just think that they're so important because they have staying power. You know, I'm not saying that every little kid out there now will be like, oh, I love Shirley Bassey. <laughs> but they know who Judy Garland is from The Wizard of Oz. Mm. And I believe that they will know who Judy Garland is from a movie like The Wizard of Oz longer than they may know some of the celebrities that are out there today that are contemporaries. So 
I just, I try to, I try to build like the foundation of the great divas. Oh, I sound so ridiculous, but that's what I do. That's what I do. Do you remember the very first diva that you heard? Not the one that I heard. I was so young, but my parents tell me that they would hear me singing along to whatever was playing in the house. I grew up in an incredibly musical home. Um, my mom was always playing the piano or the guitar or singing in the house in the car and teaching me songs and the way to dance classes, plays and all that stuff that I was in as a kid. And my father worked in radio. So very eclectic music all the time around me. And my parents tell me that they would hear me sing along and when I was little and take on like the sound the tone, the style of whoever was playing. I didn't do it all the time. Like, I had my own voice, but I would take on the one they remember the most is Judy Garland in The Wizard of Oz. That's why I mentioned it, because it was one of the first things I watched. And they always heard me sing Somewhere Over the Rainbow before I could even really sing it, like, phonetically, just trying to hum along. I always had a good pitch. But they said that one day they heard me, like, change my voice. My mom was like, what is she doing? Is she doing... And they just thought it was something cute that I did. And as I get older, I remember my mom saying to me a few times when I was, you know, auditioning for a lot of plays, and all that saying honey don't sing it like the record sing it like you and I always thought she just meant phrasing like make your own choices with the song you don't have to breathe or they breathe or do it like that but I actually now looking back on it I think she was like you sing it like you don't sing it like <laughs> Martina McBride or <laughs> or Shania Twain like sing it like you so it's been it's been really fun thinking back I mean my first influences definitely were those movie musicals like Judy Garland um, uh, Julie Andrews Barbara Streisand I mean those are the first ones. Um, and then when I was little, my favorite artists were definitely, gosh, gosh, Barney Raitt. I don't even impersonate her because she has a raspy voice. But those people, Dolly Parton, who I do, I loved country music and blues, and I loved jazz. Ella Fitzgerald, who I don't impersonate. Nancy Wilson, we just lost her, who I do impersonate. I mean, uh, Edie Gourmet, Keely Smith, all, that genre of music was another favorite of mine. So I was very comfortable singing rock, jazz, country as a kid because it's just people... I remember auditioning for some country stuff, uh, both theatrical and just, you know, music industry, band-wise. People are like, where'd you grow up? Like, I thought you grew up in New York. I said, I did. Like, well, she has such a great sensibility when it comes to country music. And I was like, it doesn't matter where you're from if you grew up listening to it. And that's what I think people forget. It's like, you know, you just listen to it. If, if, if you're born listening to it, then you can know it. Because I've got to say, you do a lot of impressions, like I said. you do, And I'm going to read off all of the impressions, and you might actually add to the ones that I don't know well, about. I do about 200, so I don't know how many you're going to write off right now. <laughs> well, I don't have 200 on the list, so there you go. But I'm just going to say, what is your voice as you is amazing, and you put that also in your show. What's your range, your vocal range? Oh, gosh, people always ask me this, I don't know. What I'll tell you is, I mean, I should know. I do know, but I'm going to say it wrong. Um, the top note in Glitter and Be Gay is an E flat, and I hit the E above that in another song. So that high E is as high as I can go. And I'll be very honest and say the E flat is a lot easier for me than that E is, but I've done it, and I can do it. Actually, there's a video of me doing it on YouTube, so there's proof right there. Uh, a Steel Pure parody with, of Kristen Chenoweth. Two little words. Yeah, it's a high E. Uh, and low. I don't have the lowest voice in the world, so it honestly depends on the day and if I've had a cocktail, I would think. Um, but yeah, I have, I have a very wide range. I'm a, I have a very high belt. I can mix very high. Um, everybody like dislikes things about their voice. I, I would, would love, I'm still working on making my belt to mix blend better. I think it's very abrupt. Um, but anyway, and then yeah, my soprano, 
I mean, the first thing that I was um, reviewed doing as an impressionist was I was in this big production of Forbidden Broadway in New York. It's a show that spoofs and parodies all the Broadway shows and their stars. It has a big cult following. It was running about 28 years before I was in it. I had about every cast album. Uh, every Broadway season, there was a new cast album because every Broadway season would change. Um, there was two guys and two girls that played every single part in Broadway. So the people that were in that show were some of the best performers in New York. And I think whether they became hugely famous or not, it didn't matter. Everybody in Forbidden Broadway always had a lot of respect in the industry. And so I just thought, wow, what a great job. Never in my wildest dreams thought I'd be in it one day. But I auditioned and got cast and all of a sudden was asked to do the main number that got attention was a Kristen Chenoweth spoof. She had just left all the Broadway shows, was doing all this TV and film. And so instead of Glitter and Be Gay, which she famously has sung from Candide, uh, Gerard Alessandrini, the writer, put together a parody called Glitter and Be Glib. And after doing this whole show in which I'm belting as everybody else on Broadway, Bernadette Peters, Laura Benanti, singing Kelly O'Hara in South Pacific, all of a sudden, toward the end of the show, <laughs> I had to sing Glitter and Be Gay, but with lyrics. If you don't know if you know the song, it's ah, 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 ah. It's on ah. But oh no, I was like, ah, ah. I was like, oh my gosh, it was crazy. I still hate the cast recording, by the way, if you listen to it, which you probably do, I barely knew how to sing it when we went into the recording studio. And I listen back now and I'm like, no, no, why'd you do that? Why'd you sing that? Why'd you say that? It's a terrible impression. But I digress. Um, I had to sing that high E flat eight shows a week. And I was like, who has a right to do this? Like, I'm not, I've always had that soprano range, but I'm, I would never consider myself, I would never actually consider myself, you know, any sort of opera singer whatsoever. I've played Kunigunda and Candide, but it's, it's again, mine is a much more theatrical musical theater version of it. So again, for that to be, like here's the New York Times reviewing you doing Glitter and Be Gay, essentially, and thank goodness they loved it. But that, oh, it's just the most thrilling thrilling thing to be able to do so many different styles in one show in Forbidden Broadway and now I to get to do that in my own concerts is icing on the cake. And I'm glad you brought that up because you were nominated for a Drama Desk Award for Forbidden Broadway. I was. So for people that don't know a Drama Desk Award, so there's a Tony Awards. Everyone knows the Tony Awards. It's for Broadway shows. But um, so much of New York City are the off-Broadway shows and um, it, it's pretty strict about not off, off, off Broadway. Like, not that there's anything wrong with that, of course, but off-Broadway is uh, on the same blocks and same streets as the big Broadway theaters as the houses are smaller um, so it's it's amazing you know you go to Times Square and your show is on the, the big billboard of the TKTS booth and uh, it's hard to explain to your in-laws that you know being in Forbidden Broadway is actually as cool as being in a show like Wicked but you know <laughs> but it was really really cool for me and so yeah, the Drama Desk Awards are for people that are in off-Broadway shows and Broadway shows. As you can imagine, it's very competitive. And so not a lot of off-Broadway performers get recognized. So to be in a category with these Broadway divas, and I mean divas, like I was in the same category as Stockard Channing. I mean, it was unbelievable. So, um, yeah, it was one of the highlights of my life. I was, couldn't believe it. And not to embarrass you, but you've been nominated twice. <laughs> I was. I got lucky twice. I did. Um, I'm not not singing and um, not doing impressions, but doing voices as a character actor. I was in a play called Application Pending. It was about the um, wacky and very competitive world of admissions for getting your kids into prestigious kindergarten in New York, because uh, it's a crazy world, um, ripe with, with comedy. 
and tragedy. And so I played uh, the person who was like a first day on the job, uh, taking calls in the admissions office for this kindergarten, this exclusive fancy kindergarten. And uh, I played everybody that an- that called. So it was about 40 characters in one show, men and women, young and old. Uh, it was definitely, hands down, the hardest thing I ever did. But it came at a great time. Um, I did for, So I did Forbidden Broadway in New York City, but I, I also um, ended up doing it in the West End in London, and that was unbelievable. We could talk about that for hours. Um, one of the reasons I got that, though, I should say, they could have hired a billion people to do that within London, and uh, the canon of talented people from New York who have done that show, they could have called them as well. But I'm well aware that the reason they chose me was because I was doing my own concerts in London and building my own fan base there. So I I checked all the boxes. It was like, oh, well, Christina's in London. She's worked here. She's Drama Desk nominated for the show, so I'm sure I was. I would like to think I was high on the list of options. Uh, and again, I don't take it for granted. It's just too cool that I happen to have been building a, a really strong London uh, UK fan base. So when they asked me to do it, I remember I was going right from the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and I was getting off stage with the Fringe flu, uh, totally sick as a dog, getting off stage, and just going directly back to bed and learning the Forbidden Broadway material because I had to start the run in the West End like two weeks later. So Forbidden Broadway, if they don't know, it's basically a spoof of what's happening of the year. Was yeah, it very different like to Saturday Night Live but for theatre? Yeah. Did you find that there was a big culture divide between what was happening at Forbidden Broadway New York to what's happening in West End? I would say no, actually. I think that the Forbidden Broadway brand is really good about, you know, they really only take the time to spoof the big the big stuff. I mean, they'll certainly make small references to what's going on, but there are the evergreen numbers as we call it, like a phantom number, a wicked number, um, a, a, a diva like a Bernadette Peters number, a Julie Andrews. They're always going to, to land and go over no matter where you are because they're famous all over. To anybody who knows theater, I should say, of course. Mm. If only everybody in the world knew who Bernadette Peters was, they'd be so much happier. But <laughs> I know that not everybody does. But for me, yeah, I didn't find the audiences to be very different at all. I had to learn a few other impressions, which is really fun. Um, I'd listened to Elaine Page for years, but I never had to do her. I thought, oh, they'll have me sing as her. No, they wanted me to speak as her doing Elaine Page on Sundays, and I had to talk like this and do the <laughs> little giggle that she did and all that, and, and that was brilliant fun to me. Um, but yeah, so to do it, the theater in New York where I did Forbidden Broadway was, was in a nice small little off-Broadway theater, and all there I was in the West End with two balconies on the Strand playing the vaudeville. It was unbelievable. I could talk about that forever. It was stupendously cool. Well, what I really loved in one of the videos that I did actually find was your audition for your West End debut, Forbidden Broadway, where you walked in and you literally did all of your impressions. And I've got to say, a lot of people have problems with auditioning, but you got the job from that audition. Is that really what happened? <laughs> I am absolutely cracking up and dying right now. I am so sorry. Absolutely, 100% no. That was meant to be a joke. That video was, we thought it was a joke. People keep saying they thought it was serious. Oh my gosh, that is not how auditions work. It's like, because <laughs> it was the best audition I've ever seen. I was you. like, you got the job. It's got to be like when doctors watch medical shows. It's like when people in the arts watch Smash. We're like, nothing is like that. Oh my gosh, no, that was not. That was part of a... Um, a promotional campaign that we did when Forbidden Broadway was opening in the West End. They had all these big West End stars come in and quote-unquote audition for Forbidden Broadway. And there you are looking at one of the big stars of Les Mis singing Bring Him Home. And then the director of our show, you'd hear him being like, nah, nah, you don't got what it takes. You're totally wrong for the part or something like that. These huge Broadway and West End performers. And so, no, that was just part of that PR campaign. And people think it's real. Oh, no. (laughs) 
<laughs> because when you watch it, you come in and out of character so well. Thank you. It really is a skill that you've developed. You're not just doing impressions. You're not just a fantastic singer. But your mannerism. You know, people study that. They're acting school. They study mannerisms. They study everything when it comes down to the animalisms. Yeah. You know, animal, animal well, we've instincts. All, we've all had to do it. We've all done it. You know, it's like, it's like a chorus line. Be the tree, you know, and be the wind. <laughs> we all have to do it. But for me, um, I don't know, like I said, I really do approach everything from, from an acting standpoint. I know a lot of people that do impressions do consider themselves more comedy, but I, I always say my concerts are... I, I, it's hard to, to, to say, well, who, who's are they like? What are they like? I mean, I'm definitely doing something that's very unique. Yeah. I'm particularly doing impressions. A lot of people only do impressions or only do it in a comedic way. And I sort of... The template that I, I think, inadvertently... Uh, took from, drew from, was a Bette Midler concert. So to me, Bette Midler is one of the most well-rounded performers there is. Obviously, we know that she's had hits on the radio and album sales. But of course, she's started as a live performer in small, intimate venues. That's why she's so accessible, playing these small little bathhouses. And now, of course, she can play big venues. So she's able to be chatty and conversational. Mm. She's able to be, she'll do, she'll talk for ten minutes as if it's a comedy routine. Then she'll do a character like Dolores Delgado and come out like a crazy character and then she'll come out in a sequin dress and sing a power ballad and then she'll be wacky again so she gives you a lot of variety within one show and all of it makes sense coming from her so I thought you know obviously I'm no Bette Midler but if she can do it why can't somebody else and so my, my viewers on YouTube they've already seen me do all a lot of that and my live audiences have seen a bit of it so I try to blend it all together and I try to push it a little further and further every year I mean when I first started I definitely eased them into and here's Christina singing something in her own voice, you know. Mm. Um, and now people expect the show to be 50-50. So mm. it's great. It's phenomenal what you do. It truly is phenomenal. Um, and like I said, you've done theatre and Broadway shows. You've been on TV, The Ellen Show, The Today Show. You were actually on Queen Latifah's show. Yeah. She got you to perform. Is there any chance that you can do Queen Latifah? Did she ask you to do her? Well, she didn't ask me. Well, actually, her people said, do you do a Queen Latifah impression? And I, I don't. That's the thing. I love listening to her, her music, which is I love the Dana Owens album. I think she has a beautiful voice, but I, d I don't think I do a good impression of her. There are plenty of people that I can't do, and plenty of people that I go, well, I think I can sound a little bit like them. I don't think it's worth it. I, I, I just didn't want to do anything that wasn't spectacular on the show. Um, I actually, for years, have worked on an Ellen DeGeneres impression, and I was definitely not going to do that on her show, because so many famous people do it. Lots of big American performers and comedians do it. So I'm inadvertently going to be compared to them, and I didn't want that comparison either. So, yeah, you get ready, though. I'm probably going to debut in Ellen sometime soon. And you've just come to Australia, just come off. Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. I was in a really interesting, unique, absolutely loved or absolutely hated, thank God, mostly loved production of Joseph that was set in contemporary Las Vegas. And I did the narrator much like my own shows, in my own voice, and also with impressions of great Vegas divas. I posted some photos. They were very tight-lipped on the whole thing. Didn't want to give too much away, but there were some photos on my social media, extra the Bianca one, and you can see um, I got to do Britney Spears, Celine Dion, Liza Minnelli, Bette Midler, Cher even. It was a really, really amazing production, incredibly creative, take a show that everybody knows so well, but it's always vague. It's like, well, is it set absolutely in biblical times? Well, if it is, then why is there a Calypso number and an Elvis number? And uh, who's the narrator? Is she a school teacher like she is in the movie? Is she an omniscient being? Is she just 
in a gown on the side of the stage reading it to the audience. So this director, Alan Souza, he made some really strong choices about what we could do with the show. I don't want to tell you too much about it, um, but it's it was so so fantastic. We're hoping that well, people are interested in bringing it back in other theaters, so we're hoping to do more with it. But it was such a great experience. I had been working by myself for so long, even an application pending. I was by myself. And Forbidden Broadway, I was not alone, but there was a cast of four, you know. So to be a part of a huge company again and do a real big musical with sets and flying and lips and costume changes and with people being a part of a team like that, it was so fantastic and so needed because that's what I come from. And I, I, trust me, it's great creating my own shows and being your own boss, but you're also, it's all on me. Every bit of pressure is, is on me. And it gets lonely. You want, as a performer, as an actor, you want to interact, you want to play opposite somebody. And so it was, it was so incredible to have an opportunity again. I never thought it would be with a show like Joseph, but again, you never know where life's going to take you. You actually originated the role of Dora the Explorer? <laughs> Never. Yes, uh, just live. I mean, I wasn't the voice in the TV show, but I was the very first live performer to do it in this humongous, I mean, it was like a huge budget, um, Nickelodeon, Clear Channel, and Viacom national tour. And it seems like, I know a lot of people like, oh, a kid show, how silly. And to be honest with you, I think everybody, every actor at some point goes, oh, do I really want to do that? But this was an incredible production. We're talking top of the line, everything. I mean, we toured the biggest venues, the Kodak theater in California, all of the, the famous Fox theaters around uh, the United States, but Radio City Music Hall. We broke all Radio City Music Hall records at the time and then had to extend the run and have another run. And those are things that I don't care what you're doing. That's cool. You know, somebody wants to belittle that because I was playing a cartoon character, that's fine. Um, it was so cool. We did a million shows a week, like uh, 10 shows a week, and I was Dora. I wasn't wearing, a, I was dressed as a kid. I wasn't wearing a foam costume or anything. Like, it was me. <laughs> looking looking like, you know, a nice little girl. And talking like that! You know, the Dora the Explorer loud voice. I'll get in trouble right now, but Anna! You know what I mean? That sort of thing. And one of the reasons I got it was the director wanted somebody who could sound like a kid and sound like just a regular kid, but then put on the really specific Dora voice for the specific lines where it mattered. Because if Dora spoke like that for a 60-minute show, mm. the parents would kill themselves. Like, it's too much. It's too great. And she'd be like, we are doing this. What are you? Like, you can't do that the whole show. And so the director, I remember, he was like, we need to choose when to do that and when not to. So we need, in the, in the interim, we need someone that looks small enough to be a kid. Hey, my height finally worked in my favor. And who could do a believable, you know, children's voice. And so it was really incredible. I toured all over America. Um, I learned so much about press. I double majored in journalism at NYU. But boy, oh boy, being on the other side of it, like being interviewed at, sometimes it would be up at 4 o'clock in the morning for like these 6 a.m. spots on Good Morning Album. Albuquerque or whatever, and boy, let me tell you, my journalism degree helped a lot because then I could give them the perfect sound bite and get in and out without having to redo things, and it was just a real cool learning experience. I made some great friends. Uh, it was just phenomenal. So I, I always say when people are like, oh, I don't want to do that. I mean, who wants to do a kid show? You have to look at the big picture, you know? If you don't want to do it, if you're going to be miserable, that's fine, but there was nothing to be miserable about with this. The only thing that would have prevented me from doing it was a judging it before I, you know, really looked at it. And so, I'm going to tell you something. Everybody heard how good the tour was, and the next time an audition notice went out, oh my God, everybody auditioned. Everybody heard it was good and wanted in. It's like, oh, you should have thought that last time. <laughs> 
And also, too, when you really think about it, it's the same with the Wiggles in Australia. What happens is that their fans that were very young become obviously your fans when you've gotten older. Have you actually had anyone come up to you and say, I saw you? No, not for me, because they were really strict about not giving a program. Okay. Like, they didn't want it to be like Christina Bianco was playing well, Dora. Well, now they know. Yeah. Well, I mean, there were, there were news articles, but mm. the parents were reading those to begin with. But so, no, I, that, that hasn't happened to me. Mostly people just going, oh my God, you were Dora. Can you tell me embarrassing stories or show me a picture? And I will. So I'll send you an embarrassing <laughs> picture. It takes a lot of skill to do what you do now. You've been on TV. As an actor, I've been on a few shows. One of them that I'll mention, which you can go on Amazon Prime and, and watch, is a show called Impress Me. It started as a web series called The Impression Guys, and um, Soul Pancake, the, the actor Rain Wilson from The Office, people tend to know, his um, production company and his channel on YouTube, Soul Pancake, they, they created this show about two impressionists, two male impressionists, who are like really known well in the industry in LA, and they both decide they want to stop doing impressions and like go straight. We're going to be serious actors now and not do impressions. And um, it was a really funny show about what happens when they make that decision. And I, you know, they, they wanted people that could do impressions, of course, but they also had to be actors in their own right. So they had a lot of uh, great appearances by lots of comedians. Almost everybody on the show you would recognize, at least in America, I know they'd recognize. In fact, one of the stars of the show was Ross Marquand, who's been on The Walking Dead for years. So it's, it's a big deal. That's really cool. Um, and I play a character named Bianca, which wasn't confusing at all because people already call me Christina Bianca. <laughs> Bianca is like a really uh, well-meaning but very annoying type a personality. It was very much unlike me, who's sort of very self-deprecating and down-to-earth. I had so much fun getting to act and do impressions in a room full of people that were such talented actors and impressionists. And um, yeah, the show aired on uh, this network called Pop TV. I don't know if they split it into two seasons or one big long one, but it is available on Amazon Prime to watch. I highly recommend it. Impress me. You've been on so many things, like I said, Time, um, E! Online, all of oh, these yeah. shows. It's crazy. It is incredibly Watch crazy. What Happens Live with, with um, Andy Cohen. I mean, like, everybody. I was on Watch What Happens Live, and lots of people do that. I mean, it's not... It's in New York. If you're doing something of significance, you can ask, be asked to be the um, bartender on Watch What Happens Live. But sometimes they don't say anything or do anything. It's like, oh, an a special appearance by this person. And we're all very grateful in that position to stand there and wave and smile. But with me, they end up giving me all this airtime. Can you do these impressions? Can you get to him with time? And on the show with me that day was Laura Linney and Sean Hayes. So I wasn't nervous at all. That's, that's complete sarcasm right there. I was petrified. The Today Show was a really big one for me. They had me on to promote application pending with Kathy Lee Gifford and who would have got me and they were they just didn't talk about the show they just talked about me and my impressions the whole time it was the best the best promotion for me that. ever um, but I'm not quite sure it was what the producers application pending had in mind but it was really funny and of course we're back to the impressions which is obviously why you're here oh come all you divas three shows at the Sydney Opera House standing ovations yeah. you're coming back in January the Fringe World yay in Perth and then you're going to come back in March yeah very quickly planning that now so. yeah because I can honestly tell you we were there for the show Queen Spectacular. He was a special guest. A standing ovation. It was I, crazy. <laughs> it was amazing. People wouldn't stop. People wouldn't sit down. I don't know if you could see that from the lights. No. People would not sit oh down. My God. They were cheering more. You had one song and then you did your second song with Trevor with Ashley. Ashley. I know. So oh, where did, how did you meet Trevor Ashley? Trevor, uh, we had a bunch of mutual friends because mm -hmm. I very quickly made friends with lots of 
people, like I said, in the UK and, of course, to the Edinburgh Festival. But in America, we're not as familiar with Trevor, but the UK is, of course, in Australia. So once I was spending time in the UK, his name kept coming up. And then finally someone said, do you want to know who's coming today to your show? And I was like, I don't know. And they said that Trevor Ashley is coming to your show. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, so Trevor saw one of my shows in Edinburgh, and he was very kind and complimentary. And after that, we just kept in touch and mutual admiration society. I mean, he's freaking unbelievable. And the thing is, he doesn't have to be nice, and he is. Like, you, you know, you hope that people that have great stage personas are, are likable and lovely and, and honest and creative and enthusiastic and supportive, and he's all of those things. So I was over the moon. I mean, we've just been together, knowing each other for years and now, and um, never really performed together. I got laryngitis doing a show uh, in London. I, of course, you know, flew across an ocean to do this big show and got completely lost my voice, and I had to do something. So I put on a show anyway, and I had all these guest performers, and I did what I could, and Trevor happened to be in town doing, I think, Liza's Back is Broken, and I said, would you, I would just be so grateful if you could do anything, and he came, and he tore tore the roof off the place. He was so fantastic. Never forgot how kind and generous that was of him to, to take time out to do that. And yeah, shoot ahead about two years and he's like, darling, I'm bringing you to Sydney Opera House. <laughs> One thing you do have in common is the fact that you both do... Oh, we do Shirley Bassey, Liza Minnelli, Judy Garland. I do not ever want to be compared to him. The only thing I can say is that clearly, thank goodness, I'm a woman and he is a man. So the comparisons are, you know different um, but you know he he has been doing this and I will say this is not an age thing he's been doing this longer than I have and he has a comfortability uh, when it I think when, particularly when it comes to the physicality of these divas I watched him actually just at show queen last night his Shirley Bassey is is so to me incredible the voice is stupendous but it's the physicality that kills me and I am not there yet with that somebody else might disagree but I know I'm not when I watch someone like him I'm like okay that's no I need to go back to that. That's what I was saying. I have to go get to the root of those divas and really get there. Because a lot of the singers today kind of just stand there. Yeah. But those great divas, oh my God, they've all got it. You should know who they are from the way I'm standing yeah. without I, before I even open my mouth. And that's what I get from when Trevor does his impressions. He's fantastic. And we actually saw you perform last night together. Yes, we did. Um, the iconic medley of Happy Days Are Here Again and Get Happy. And we did it as Judy and, and Barbara. Yeah. I, I sometimes do it in my show as both women. Um, and then I think we did it once before in our lives that night that I lost my voice. We did it, I think, as two... He was Liza, and I think I did it as Judy. It was a, but I didn't have much of a voice then, so it was pretty... I did what I could. Um, but I couldn't say no. I was like, he's here, I have to do something. Even though I have no voice. It was like, I was dying to do it. Never my wildest dreams that I think I'd be doing it again. But at the Sydney Opera House with him. So, yeah, add that to the, to the hashtag grateful bucket of the day. It was so cool. It was absolutely spectacular. It was a standing ovation. I, could, I couldn't see that. Uh, but the response like that is, is, is overwhelming because I know that most of those people didn't know me at all. They hadn't come to see my show previously. Oh, my gosh, I wish that that was before my performances. Oh, my God, it would have been so cool. I think that knowing of that audience who also understands and appreciates Trevor's brilliance with impressions, it, it meant very much to me that they were so supportive of mine. But I think, I think you know, when you do something a little different, and it is, it's a little different mm. with the impressions, you're almost, and I, I hope this is taken the, not taken the wrong way, in a concert, in a lineup, with, you can have the most talented singers and the most talented performers in the world, but if you're coming out and you're doing something a little different... 
just a little bit. A little slight, I hate using the word gimmick, but it's got that slightly different thing. Everybody perks up a little bit more, and they listen and they pay attention, but this is yet to be what they've ever met me. And it's really clear to me that that's my responsibility to not lose that attention and to really look at them and connect and hone in and because that's a special thing. It's a special thing to, well, to have the attention of any audience, but I think it's a little responsibility when you're doing something like an impression, like I said, that you want to show is done with love, but it's a little bit funny, but hopefully they're impressed too. It's a lot of work. So I, I'm really grateful. As soon as the audience sort of leaned forward a little bit, I was like, all right, work, 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 get it, nail this, connect with them, show them his work. And I'm so glad to hear that it really paid off. Oh, no, you are really a phenomenal performer. And you hold your own, and I know you were saying before that you don't have the mannerisms or the physicality, but you've got Judy Garland's arms, you've got, I, I, you know, you've got I do, Barbara's. I just want them to be better, that's all. <laughs> no, it's absolutely brilliant. So here we go. So the impressions are, I've got here Julie Andrews, mm-hmm. Barbara Streisand, yes. Celine Dion, Judy Garland, Britney Spears, Shakira, Alanis Morissette, Nora Jones, Patti Lapone, Drew Barrymore, Zoe Deschanel, Bjork, Christina Aguilera, Chris, Jennifer Aniston. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's great. Yeah, so much fun. My God, Jennifer. She always sounds so surprised about everything, you know what I mean? Gosh, yeah. Um, Shirley Bassey, as we said. Yeah. Um, and, and Dina Menzel. Oh, yeah, everyone loved her last night, my yeah. God. Yeah. Dolly Parton, Shania Twain, Kathy Griffin. Yep, yeah. Um, Catherine Parkinson, is that... Do you know who that is? Catherine Parkinson is a British actress, and yeah, I, I always I joke, I have like make awareness. She has won a BAFTA award. She's a very famous, technically famous, meaning she's on huge TV shows, right? Um, the IT crowd, everyone watches Humans. Um, she's in a million commercials. She's been on pretty much every movie and every TV show she's been on it, and Brits know her face. They don't know her name. So I always tell the audience, yes, you know, it's it's just me, Catherine Parkinson. You don't know my name, but you do know my voice, and I'm the woman from the Wolverton's commercials. And and they all crack up to know who it is. So now people that come see me often, they all know I do Catherine Parkinson. Um, sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, Kira Knightley. Yeah, Kira Knightley. She's hard. I couldn't do her right now, but she's one of my favorites. Um, Cheryl Cole. Yes. Idina Monsoon. Oh, Idina. I do characters a lot of television characters. I do um, Idina Monsoon from Absolutely Fabulous. Sweetie darling, you know, some little shambles together and called today, you know, called Patsy or something, sweetie. Um, I do Karen Walker from Will and Grace. Oh, Jackie, it's so good to be here. Again, there's belting in public now, but I do lots of, yeah, characters like that. Yeah, I try to put in lots of speaking impressions. Um, Penelope Cruz, Sofia Vergara, Kristen Wiig. I'm always adding new new speaking impressions. I do a bunch of them. Um, but it's Miley Cyrus. You know, it's like it, these voices that you you hear on TV. I hear them and I'm like, oh my God, that's so specific. I have to try and find a way to do that. And so I'm always inspired by everything. It's, I mean, the list goes on. Ariana Grande, Kelly Clarkson, Adele, Barbara Walters, oh, yeah, Edith Piaf, Amy Winehouse, Gwen Stefani, Whitney Houston, <laughs> Lady Gaga, Liza Minnelli. I mean, the list goes on. Yeah, some of them are very niche. Like Some of them are very specifically British, or very specifically American cartoon characters and little things like that. Some really niche musical theatre performers. Not niche within the fan base, but of course the rest of the world. I can't, you know, pull out my Alice Ripley impression unless they know Broadway music. But it's, it's, it's always fun. I'm always looking for new ones. Um, 
and that's why my shows can I try to you know hit the fan favorites in my shows but also always try to put in something new to surprise people I really can't thank you enough for the amount of time that you spent like I said we've been sitting here in the lovely rocks it's completely being a Sydney tourist it is Christmas time though so before you go the diehard fans would probably be I guess lovers of Streisand or Celine or Garden is there anything maybe you would mind to say as a Christmas message let me think about this hello hello and this is Celine Dion I have to say Christina has had the most wonderful time here in Australia in the beautiful Sydney and so now my friends and I will sing a very short very quiet so the people here in the cafe do not kill us a little Christmas song for you but Celine cannot be heard over this music I'm going to run across the street <laughs> Gwen Stefani Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn king Britney Spears There's on earth and mercy mild God and sinners reconciled Judy Garland Joyful all the nations rise Join the triumph of the skies Gotta be Liza Minnelli With Angelic host proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem. Barbara Streisand. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Celine Dion. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the Well, there you have it. Oh, my God. Christina Bianco. I am so thankful that you've given me the time. We've had a lovely cup of coffee, and I've got to know so much about you. Australians love you. Thank you. I love it here. I can't wait to come back. We can't wait for you to come back. And like I said, check all of our social media posts. We'll be putting everything there with latest uh, shows that are coming to Perth and also to Sydney. Christina Bianco, thank you so much for your time. Have a wonderful time. You've got 24 hours left in Sydney. I know. Thank you you so much for having me. Thank you, thank you. Christina is such a beautiful human. I was so glad to meet up with her while she was in Sydney. Christina's just released her debut album called Life of the Party. ChristinaBianco.com for all of the details. I would like to thank my guest, Christina Bianco. This has been Let Me Entertain You Inside the Minds of Musical Theatre. Thanks for listening. Please like, subscribe and tell your friends. But most importantly, go and see a show.